0: How's it going? This is Jeff Smooty, the host of Ready for Mistakes podcast, which is a contemporary photography podcast. If you've noticed, things have been pretty slow around here. Uh, I got in four episodes, including an introduce introduction episode, which was episode zero. Um, but I haven't really put out anything past that fourth episode. Uh, and there's multiple reasons for that, and uh, there's some obvious reasons and some less obvious reasons. Less obvious reasons are more related to my personal work and personal life related things. Um, when I started this podcast in August last year, um, I got a few episodes recorded up until about mid October. And uh, I was hoping that I would be able to do at least a monthly podcast, you know, go every couple weeks to different places um, or schedule a phone call that I could record. And Uh, have episodes made on a relatively regular basis. Um, But that also started up around the time that high school sports seasons were starting to get into their really busy times. Um, It's unfortunate in that sense, but I mean, for my job, I have to photograph sports. And that's one of the most fun things to photograph just in general, regardless of what kind of photography you may be into. Sport photography is just a really good time. Um, And that means that uh, football season was really in the heat of things, and basketball season was just about to start, and wrestling was just about to start. And um, I wound up covering uh, the IHSA State Championship for Wrestling in Urbana, and that was a lot of fun. That was honestly a really, really cool gig. Um, And the State Championships was also the first time I broke out my Fujifilm X-T3 that I had recently acquired by then. Um, and did a lot of the close-up stuff uh, for that on the X-T3. A um, bulk of those photos were shot on my uh, 70-200 to on my Canon, but it was still pretty cool to use my new camera for such a major event. Um, so, of course, uh, work has caused a lot of the delay in episodes being recorded. That's perfectly okay. You know, I'm not complaining about that whatsoever. Um, you know, I prioritize my work over everything else uh, in relation to my art. So uh, that's just kind of a fact of the matter. Um, And also it's a little bit unnecessary to carry around a microphone and interface whenever I am trying to go to Chicago or Carbondale or Urbana. You know, I'm not just going to have my whole recording set up with me everywhere I go. Um, so there's also that, you know, I, I have gone to Chicago a good amount in the past half year, but I don't think about bringing my whole podcast setup. Um, I'm working on figuring out a way to record with people remotely. Um, I think I might use zoom meetings cause I believe you are able to record that with the audio. I'm not entirely sure. I know you do some trial runs with some friends, but, uh, that'll be figured out at some point soon. So I can actually get some new episodes recorded. But there is a much more obvious reason as to why uh, episodes haven't really been consistent. And that's because of our global pandemic that we are all experiencing daily. Um, It's caused a mess of things. Uh, No matter where you are in the world, it's more than likely touched you in some way, whether it's personal or indirect. Um, And I really do hope that everyone that's listening to this is uh is doing okay is staying sane and staying safe and healthy taking the necessary precautions to make sure that you are staying healthy and that you are making sure that those around you if you have to go outside that those around you will not be affected by being a potential carrier you know it's one of those diseases that is um asymptomatic um for a majority of the time if you are a carrier you won't know necessarily for around 2 or 3 weeks um so there's always that chance that literally anyone could be carrying it, which is a scary thought. So that's why it's so important that we all do our part and stay home and even if we have the mildest symptoms, just because you have it mild doesn't mean that someone you might give it to is also going to have it mild. But yeah, it's it's a it's a weird time to live in. Um and I've been photographing that a lot lately for stories around my region it's very strange. You know, I have to work from home, but since I'm still considered an essential worker because I have to go out, uh, it's it's very weird. It's eerie. Um, especially being in the middle of Illinois, you know, I, I see a lot of people out and about treating this as if it's nothing. And that's going to happen in more rural and uh, not metropolitan areas. You know, people in Chicago are kind of approaching this a lot more intensely than those in Bloomington, than those in Springfield, those in Urbana, those in Decatur. And it's par- probably just because people think that we're lower populations and therefore we are less at risk. But, you know, everyone is at risk, no matter what. It's it's challenging to, to be out. Um, and I'm taking my necessary precautions to make sure that I'm safe while I'm photographing these stories. Now I have a mask. Um, I happen to be using a mask that I purchased for a 3D 3D fundamental class back in college. And I've had that laying around and I've used it for other classes like Intaglio printmaking um, in my future uh, sculpture class, which was in my senior year, I believe. I don't remember anymore. Um, But I've used that mask a little bit now and then. And I had a second one, which I had given to a friend of mine well before this all happened but I did happen to have this nice N95 mask in my drawer, in my art drawer. And when this happened, I was grateful to have that on hand. And uh, that means that whenever I go out and about, I have a mask. I don't have to have a makeshift one made of a t-shirt. I have an actual official, genuinely safe mask. Um, And when it comes to my camera and my hands, you know, I'm I'm making sure that I'm not using the viewfinder on my camera unless I absolutely have to. I'm using the live view and uh, a little bit of a gearhead thing. The Fujifilm X-T3 has a tilting screen rather than a flipping screen. The flipping screen is substantially more popular among photographers of most styles. Um, but I have found from photographing these stories that the X-T3 flip uh, tilting screen is way easier to use for, uh, for this kind of situation. Um, since I don't wanna be putting my hands and my camera up to my face, uh, using the tilting screen is a lot faster and a lot easier to look at and um, making sure that I'm framing correctly and also just having a quick and easy way to see what I'm looking at when I'm not looking at eye level. Um, it's actually really nice to have that tilting screen. Um, More and more reasons why I'm happy about my choice in switching over to the X-T3. As much as I love Canon dearly, the Fujifilm takes the cake. Um, But of course, I'm cleaning my camera when I can. I have some rubbing alcohol left over that I would typically use to clean my film. Um, But now the remainder of that is being rationed out for cleaning my camera, computer, and phone. The things that are being used the most. Um, With a lot of the coverage, it's gotten me to think more about what I'm doing with my photography. Uh, I have started putting together a gallery that I've titled Fear and Six Feet. You can view that on my website. Um, I'll link that in the YouTube description um, because it, you know describing the URL is a little annoying. Um, but it is myname.com, uh, jeffsmoody.com slash Feet. But between each word and that is a hyphen. So it's fear hyphen and hyphen six and no, well, You know what I mean. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say because my brain is kind of mush. It's nine o'clock at night and I'm recording this. Anyway, um, I've been putting that gallery together and uh, most of it is composed of photographs that I've shot for the newspaper. It's a small handful of photographs that I've shot uh, on my own time or right after an assignment had finished. Like, if it's an event kind of thing and it has a time, you know. Photos I shoot after they clean up the event aren't really going to be used for that story. Because why would they? But this is a very small handful of photos that I shot in my own time in this gallery. The rest are all photos that I submitted to the newspaper for those stories. I don't know, um, a few of them I don't know if they actually used them, but a lot of them they did end up using. Um, there's a lot of photographs I'm genuinely proud of to see how they tell this story. Um, there's a few that come to mind. There's one of, one of the cooks at a restaurant leaning out of the drive through window um, at a local restaurant, and that was a story about uh, some of the local restaurants that have been struggling a bit more with this, and that was very early on with the restaurant limitations. Um, And then there's a a few others that are more of the emptiness of town, which is challenging to do because there's still people out driving around. You know, you're not seeing empty Target parking lots like you thought you would. Um, But one thing that's really peculiar... Is the lack of traffic at gas stations and gas stations around America, especially in Illinois because we have a slightly higher gas tax uh has been substantially lower. We're around one seventy dollars uh one dollar seventy cents uh these days for gas and you know in a, about a year ago or even a few months ago, if we were to have seen a dollar seventy dollar seventy five for gas you know, there would be a line to get to the pumps. Uh, but now it's like you drive past it during peak travel hour, five o'clock in the afternoon or 8.30 in the morning, and you see maybe one car there, when there would typically be even just four or five cars there. And it's really peculiar to see that. And I've seen a lot of photographers starting to photograph these These same kind of scenes, you know, empty streets or if they live in Chicago or New York or L.A., they're photographing the empty streets of of these typically booming cities. Um, And the highways are filled with nothing but skateboarders because skateboarders finally can access streets that they normally wouldn't have been able to skate on. And as a former skater, uh, you know, I worry about that because if a car is coming on that street and you you know, they don't expect to see a skateboarder. They're not going to really expect that. Um, but as a former skateboarder and the essence of it, uh, you know, I yearn for that. I yearn for that time of when I was out with my old skate crew, cruising around, filming and all that. Uh, being able to be on the middle of a highway. And there'd be no risk of any vehicles Um, I still don't endorse doing that because it's still dangerous, even with low traffic. Um, But it still would just be so thrilling to experience that. Um, And again, I'm not endorsing that action, but I understand the enjoyment. But it's also started to get me to thinking about the presentation of these photographs that are shot during this time. Because this is a very miserable time for a lot of people. And even when you're photographing positive things, you know, a lot of the stories that I've been photographing for the paper are stories attempting to find the light in this very dark time. And I'm grateful for those stories because a lot of times they involve, well, pets, dogs, cats. Um, And a lot of times they'll involve kids doing fun things, you know, chalking the sidewalk or um, how their online classes for elementary school are handling this in a fun and educational way. I will always love seeing that happen during these dark times. Uh, but for the less pleasant things, it's, it's, it's an uneasy thing to think about. Um, especially when you're treating these photographs as not only documentarian for just documenting these times, but it's also an artistic thing um, because, you know, documentarianism is still an art in itself. And no matter what, photography will always be an art. Um, There's still bands of people who do not think that photography is an art. um, And I will fight till the day I die on the fact that photography is an art, a capital A high art, um, you know, I've never liked the designation of high art, but, you know, for the sake of argument and understanding, uh, I definitely do consider even documentary photography as a high art, as something to be treated as equal to historic paintings, as equal to religious paintings. Regardless, uh, it's it's weird to see this all be going down. And one thing that I've made sure to tell myself Not only for the sake of logistics, because some of it is because I'm not allowed to do this, but also for the sake of just ethics. Uh, All the photographs in this gallery that I'm putting together are not going to be sold no matter what. Uh, Mostly because a lot of them are owned by the newspaper. So I just literally can't sell them because, I mean, yeah, they're halfway mine, but the newspaper owns them. Like, they are the newspaper's photos. Uh, but the other ones that were not shot for the newspaper or the ones that ended up not being used for the newspaper that are in kind of a gray area, uh, those are not photos that I want to sell, uh, no matter what, how much people love them. Let's say it's a photo that has no people in it. Let's say it's a photo of a foggy parking lot, which I have a photo like that. Even though it's it's a beautiful image and it's aesthetically pleasing and all then I can definitely see why someone would want to have a print of it. I'm not gonna to want to sell a print of it because it's related to a miserable time it's related to people's misery, and I'm not a fan of uh profiting off of people's misery um i'm I'm an emotional man when it comes to that kind of thing i I will never endorse profiting off of a time that is full of negativity and misery. The only way I could ever justify making money off of these photographs is if that money would be going to, uh, benefit those that need money or resources during this time. And I don't have nearly the kind of clout that would allow me to do that, uh, allow me to do that and be successful with it. Like, I might sell one print and get $20 out of it, and then I would just go to the Red Cross or something and give them the $20. Like, that's not... I mean, that's $20 is $20, but, uh, you know, if I'm an artist and I want to be making money off of this to benefit something, I should at least have some kind of backing to be able to make that money. So for for the sake of simplicity, I'm just not going to bother even considering selling any of these photographs. I've had some friends tell me that they really love some of the individual photos in this collection, but, you know, I don't tell them this, but it's good to put it out there that I do not anticipate selling a single one of these photos. Again, halfway because they're owned by the newspaper, and halfway because it's just wrong to make money off of a miserable time, in my opinion. But this also has gotten me thinking about how the art community um, especially the photography community, is going to uh, approach uh, art made during this time after this is all done. Uh, it's it's weird to think about because it, it pulls in some ethics. Uh, and I think that it's going to be a subjective debate for a long time. You know, Is it wrong to make money off of photographs made during this time? Or is it completely justified? Or does it fall into what the photographs are of? Or A lot of the specifics, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion of art and the aftermath of the coronavirus. Um, I expect to see that for a long time. Uh, Consider this my prediction of that being a discussion topic come the end of this, when we're all allowed to go outside again. And I think there's going to be there's going to be a plethora of series made by uh, photographers from the city. Uh, doing street photography with no one in the streets—it's gonna, it, there's gonna be a lot of those. They're just regardless of where you're at—New York, LA, Denver, Dallas, whatever it is—you're gonna see so many projects like that, and it's just, it's just gonna happen. We're just gonna accept it, and there's gonna be a lot of really amazing photos there. Um, but there's also gonna be a hell of a lot of por- self-portraits. Um, there's gonna be a hell of a lot of uh, series just in general, of older work coming out, because a lot of photographers are spending time looking at their old work and putting them together. Or maybe, uh, you know, like George Muncie said that he has finally cut down his uh, his series Lonely Cloud and gotten the first draft of that book done. Now, he's not done shooting for it. He made that very clear that he's not done shooting for it. But he does have... Uh, you know, 20 some photos pretty much ready to go for the book that he will be eventually publishing. Um, and then, you know, Matt Day has had all kinds of stuff. He's been working on his Chillicothe stuff. And I think he has a special, uh, a special privilege in the fact that he's lived in Chillicothe his whole life. And he has uh, been photographing the town his whole life. And he'd seen, he mentioned this in his last video or one of his last videos, that he has seen Chillicothe rise up into this booming uh, Midwest town uh, where local businesses are thriving. And, uh, you know, Chillicothe has become a much more attractive city than it was 15, 20 years ago. And now, those streets that were just a couple months ago teeming with people going to their favorite local coffee shop, in Matt's case, roast coffee um just completely empty and i think he has a special privilege in that fact that he has photographs and has even seen photographs of chillicothe before and it now and that in between of that progress uh of developing of developing developing midwestern city um otherwise you know kind of treating the um Treating the empty streets of the city as an other is an interesting point of conversation. I think that will also come up a lot in the coming months. Um, you know, it's like treating the familiar as the other in the times of the coronavirus. I think that would be, uh, uh, that's probably going to be a really common um, headline that we're going to see on a lot of art articles. Uh, There's going to be a lot of interesting things going on with that. i th- <laughs> there's I could go on for hours about how many different um different articles and conversations and all that that are gonna come out of the aftermath of the coronavirus and art. but on the on the topic of making art during the coronavirus during isolation and quarantine, um it's important to you know stay productive but not not overdo it. you know. um some of my friends that are artists or creative people, whether or not they call themselves an artist, that is a topic for another day. Have been struggling with uh giving themselves a break um or the exact opposite struggling to even find anything to do uh and I think it's just part of the American culture is that we always have to be busy um and you, you know uh other other cultures have uh figured out ways to fit in relaxation time you know i if if correct me if I'm wrong and forgive me if this is ignorant. Uh, that I believe it's Spain that, uh, has culturally introduced over the past X number of years. I don't know. Uh, the siesta, you know, it's a mid afternoon break. You just lay around, you take a nap, you do nothing for an hour or two. Um, and that's one of the reasons why that region of Europe eats dinner so damn late. Um, because they take a nap, a designated nap in the middle of day and everything is closed at that time of the day, like 2 p.m. or whatever it is. Uh, It's kind of funny to think about that and how other countries are able to figure that out, but Americans, uh, us Americans, have to stay busy because that's the culture that we've been surrounded by. And during quarantine and self-isolation, that's why you see so many people with uh, stir crazies. Um, I'm, I'm thankful in the fact that I don't have to worry about that as much because I am working during this and I am going out and doing things while it's still a little uncomfortable because I'm out during a global pandemic doing my job, uh, it at least keeps my mind a little bit more at ease. It's, it's kind of a confusing time. But as an artist, I'm going to swing back over to that. As an artist, it's uh, important to keep yourself uh, you know, somewhat creative in one way or another. You don't necessarily have to be making photographs or making your art. Um, a lot of this time, I think, is best suited toward the more intellectual side of your art. Uh, and I have a video that I have yet to finish editing. It's almost ready um, that I'm going to be talking about, you know, different things to do when you can't take photographs or make art. And a couple of things that i mentioned are pretty common suggest suggestions, whether it's like self-portraits or whatever, or looking at photo books or whatever. Like those are kind of obvious, um, but I had a couple that I haven't seen nearly as frequently. Um, one of them is reading about photography, and I mean like proper ass reading—books, literal books, not not just screen stuff. I mean like on paper, dead tree, designed cover that's in your hand books. Um, there's I have a small but growing library of photography and photography adjacent uh, texts. Um, One of the staples I think that almost every photographer should have is uh, Susan Sontag's On Photography. It's a bit old, published in the 50s, I believe. Um, And it's just kind of, I haven't read it fully yet, Um, but I've read excerpts of it. And it's really interesting because it's thinking about the theories of photography during that time period. Uh, And I think that a lot of those translate to today as well. Another book that is uh, not necessarily explicitly about photography, but one that I've been reading recently, is Rebecca Solent, A Field Guide to Getting Lost. Uh, And she talks about her experience as a historian, but also brings in a lot of her personal life experience uh, into the idea of what it means to be lost and a lot of the more philosophical ideas about being lost. And she even mentions a lot of historically significant photographers, some who are still alive and some who are very, very, very dead, as in like they died decades ago kind of thing. Um, but that book is one that I'm nearly done with, uh, and it's, it's made me think, it's made me cry, it's, it's just an incredible book. It's not even a very long book. It's not terribly hard to read either. Uh, There's a few others that I've started reading, such as The Ongoing Moment by Jeff Dyer. I read the first 20 pages, and I was amazed by it. Uh, It's kind of hard to describe, but it is talking a lot about the vernacularism of photography. Um, A lot of these photography texts, um, especially these more theoretical books about photography are uh, a little bit more intense if you haven't really been exposed to this kind of writing on photography before. So maybe look up some YouTube videos of interviews of photographers you love, um, or get suggestions from friends of yours or professors you may know um, about where to start. Because like anything that's academic in writing, you don't just go right into the deep end. There's one particular book that I have, I forget the author, Or rather, the first name of the author. Uh, Last name is Elkins. Um, But the title of the book is Photography Theory. And I read the first 80 or so pages. And that was one of the first photography texts that I had started reading. It was, or it is, incredibly dense. But it's also an incredible book. I don't think I'm ready to read it yet. It's, It's a lot all at once uh it's it's one of those books that i would expect you know a photography professor of 20 plus years of teaching to read and get something out of it not you know a 23 year old photographer who just graduated a year ago to read this and be enlightened with the third eye of photography opens the third aperture opens or something like that um it's, it's, a, it's a really hard book to read, and a lot of these photography texts are challenging reads because you're trying to talk about a visual art with words. Uh, which this does kind of tie into my next suggestion of something to do, which is to write about your photography. And I don't necessarily mean like, if, like writing supplementary text to a series. Well, of course I do mean that. Um, that's not the only thing that I really mean. Uh, I mean also writing about your art in a more personal sense, you know, writing to yourself about your art. It's kind of like journaling about your artwork. I have an ongoing document that is just kind of journaling about my thoughts on photography. Why do I like this particular subject matter? Why am I photographing at this time of day rather than this time of day? What is it about these locations or these types of compositions that I like or what is it? about the aesthetic that pleases me. Uh, what is the story? What is the ongoing umbrella story that I'm trying to tell with my work? It's all these different questions and you're not gonna figure it out in one sitting. It's an ongoing thing. You know, I started doing this kind of writing, this like personal art journaling a little over a year ago. And it's been a while since I've done it because I've been very busy. But uh, regardless, it's a, it's a really helpful tactic to make yourself a better artist. And I think that would be where to start before jumping into reading about photography texts. Uh, Start writing about your own work and then read Susan Stone Tags On Photography or read um, Camera Lucida by Roland Barthes. There's a lot of short photography books that are not challenging to read. The language might be a little outdated and there might be some particular subjects that'll be outdated or not depending on when the book was uh, published. So always go into it with a grain of salt. A lot of the older art publications uh, tend to have some outdated things by today's cultural standards. Um, But take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's art. It's always changing. And it's important to study the old, but it's also important to study the new. Um, And that's really important these days. Um, There's a lot of different things that have been going on in my personal photography. I've been working on a... Zine. Uh, I had previously made two other zines: a submission-based, a submission-based one, and a personal one. And now I have my second personal zine that I'm working on. Which, if you saw the videos of my Northern Michigan and Indiana trip in January, uh, these are going to be photographs from the Michigan portion of that trip. Um, and I'm taking the name of the zine is a reference to a lyric from a law dispute album, which is their most recent one, Panorama. They have a song called In Northern Michigan, and there's a particular line in that song that says, Standing on the Dune Edge, Face West. And I decided to take the phrase Dune Edge, Face West as the title of this zine. And I'm working on taking the collection of about 60 photographs that are good and cut it down to about 30 of the best. Um, that way the zine is not terribly long, Um, but also isn't terribly short. You know, I try to find nice middle ground. Um, And I'm working with a designer friend uh, to get the whole thing looking right. He's also a fan of that good old emo trash that I'm a fan of as well. Uh, And that way uh, we'll be on the same page and be able to work on the aesthetic to make sure that the sequence as well as the layout and design and cover and all that jazz look the best. This is not a photo book. It's just a zine. So it's going to be relatively cheap. Uh, it's going to be a pretty, pretty fun project to work on during these quarantine days. Uh, this is something that I really suggest people to do. You know, since you can't really go out and take photos too often, and you're probably going to get bored of taking self-portraits eventually, uh, it's good to take a look at your old work. Maybe clean up the edits. You know, a lot of times if you're not a fan of your old photography, a lot of times it's because you overprocessed it. You made it too crunchy or something, or it's too saturated, or maybe it's too undersaturated. There's a lot of reasons as to why it would be, so I would always suggest just reset those old photos and re-edit them to your current standards, your current ideas. Uh, you know, I, go, I do the same thing. I go back to my old photos and I say this, this is way too green and I got to fix that or whatever. Or the contrast is just all out of whack or something. And my processing these days now, in a more gearhead kind of talk again, is very simple. I don't really do a lot. I have a very, very simple method of processing my photos. I only ever touch the highlights, shadows, white point, and black point. I usually do a tiny bit of tone curve control, but not a lot. I use the neutral color profile on my camera, whether that's camera neutral for the Canon users or uh, I think it's pro negative standard for Fujifilm. Um, Whatever the neutral one is that it's one of the negative profiles. That's really about it. I don't really touch the HSL unless I need to. Um, I don't really sharpen a whole lot. You know, I keep things pretty simple. Um, My older photos were just a little bit more than that. And having gone back to those photos, I fixed them up quite a bit. And now I can look back at those older photos and actually be pleased to look at them rather than, I don't really care about this photo. Now I can look at those old photos and be like, this is actually kind of good. And with my uh, film photos, I recently scanned all of them all over again with uh, my new scanner and new scanning software. I've been using Silverfast 8, uh, which comes for free with the V550 and the V600 from Epson. Uh, So if you have either of those scanners, definitely go to the Epson support page for those different scanners and download Silverfast. This isn't really a plug because I'm not making money off of it. Epson isn't making money off of it. Uh, it's just a, a good pointer to have because Silverfast is a fabulous program to use for scanning film. Uh, at some point, I do plan on making a video scanning f- about scanning film and how I do it. Um, I've kind of nailed down my process for scanning film, so I'm much more comfortable with that idea now. Um, and then I also want to do one about uh, my printing process as well. Another thing that I want to start doing while I'm in quarantine is uh, printing out my portfolio a little bit more. I've already started, but I haven't quite finished yet. I have a couple large bodies of work that are done. You know, They're not gonna have any more photos added to them. The photos are ready to go. Um, and I wanna have a bunch of eight by tens or six by nines or whatever size makes sense for the series uh, printed out and in my hands and then into a portfolio box. That way, if I'm ever asked about a particular project, I have it literally in my hands. I don't have to give them a link. I have it physically in my hands. Uh, it's, it's really pleasant to look at a physical photograph because that's the way that photographs were meant to be seen was directly in front of your face on a sheet of paper, not on a screen. A screen is just an effective way to do it, but not the best way to do it. And That's a subjective matter. But oh well, we're not talking about that today. Anyway, I do hope that you all are doing all right in your quarantine days, um staying safe and staying sane. Um I hope you guys got something out of this podcast. You know, it's a it's a bit weirder one, you know, it's a half an, just over half an hour long of me rambling about all kinds of stuff, but I wanted to fill the void and tell you guys about why this has been delayed. Um I do want to tell you that there are A couple people that have already asked me about wanting to be on the podcast and they've been on the lineup for a while. Um, So those episodes will be happening and they're pretty much guaranteed to happen. They just need to actually happen. And I think I know how I might be able to make it work and they're just going to try it out. We're going to see what happens. And if I can get it done from afar, that will make getting other episodes done even easier um, so I can actually start working on making this podcast become a little bit more productive um, and get some more episodes out for you guys. You can expect a few more episodes of just photography things on my YouTube channel because I've got some videos lined up. i got some short ones. I've got some kind of fun ones, and I have been live streaming my scanning and editing as well. So if you check out my Twitch, you can see uh, some kind of fun videos of me talking to myself while scanning and editing photos. Uh, there's a lot more coming up in the, in the matter of just artwork for my work and all that, but uh, that'll be talked about on a different day. Hope you guys are staying safe and staying sane. If you enjoyed this, that's cool. If you didn't, that's cool. Hopefully I'll see you guys soon on another episode of Ready for Mistakes podcast. Yeah, stay inside. Do your thing. See you guys.